there's a blessing in scripture that says those who hear the word of God are blessed, but also those who read it. And so we are going to do something slightly different today in that we are actually going to read the passage together out loud. Because um, in the Old Testament, they would gather together as God's people and they would read the word of God out loud together. And in doing so, they would be an act of worship. And in doing so, it would join them together in what they were reading before God. And so that's what we're going to do today. It's different, I know. Hold on to your bonnets and your jerseys, but we are going to embrace this together. It's not a very long uh, section of scripture. It's Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, mind-blowing, two verses. We can do this. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> are you ready? Yeah. All right, you are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your forehead for the dead. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. Wow. I know, mind-blowing, right? I think that was the whole of it, right? We are talking about holiness today. Okay, We sang some songs that hinted at that, right? Um, we are talking about holiness today. And these first two verses give us the idea that holiness begins with your identity, right? It says underneath there in the small print, God declared that you were his and that you were holy. We just read it out loud. And in case you forgot what it said, you are the sons of the Lord your God. I don't know if any of you are like me. If I read something out loud, I don't comprehend it. Is anybody else like that? Um, uh, so like in school when I was a kid and they would have us like take turns reading out of the science textbook or the geography book or whatever, they would call on me to read the section and I would have no idea afterwards what was just said out of my mouth. Because the way I am wired is if I say it and I'm reading it, I don't, I, it does not comprehend to me. I can hear it from someone else, but if I read it out loud, I don't got a clue what just happened. So for those of you who are like me, let me repeat, you are sons and daughters of the Lord your God. He has chosen you to be a holy people, a treasured possession, okay? So that means you have been declared by God to be his, right? He chose you. Of all the people in the world, he said, you. That's really cool, because everybody likes to be chosen. Um, and then he said, not only do I choose you, but I declare you to be definitively holy. And when God speaks, no one can reverse it, right? So this is a really good thing. For us, this means our identity is that we belong to God, and we are holy, not we could be holy, not we might be holy, not we have to climb up the ladder of holiness, not we have to do so many things to become holy, but this verse right here in Deuteronomy is God saying, you are mine and you are holy. So we live in this world and, and an American Christian culture that says we need to try and be holy. We need to work at our holiness. We need to become more holy. But the reality is, in this scripture, God says, 
You are holy. And we need that to become part of how we understand ourselves. We already are holy in the eyes of God. He has declared us holy. He has made our, our very nature holy. And so if we, can, if we can live in that mindset that God has declared us holy, that changes the way we live the rest of our life. That alters the way we view everything in Scripture. Not that it's this unobtainable thing to become holy, but that this is the identity I can live from. I can live from holiness because God has declared me to be holy. But then we start to wonder, what does it actually mean to be holy? Because it's a short four-letter word, right? But it's a four-letter word that scares us. Because sometimes we think being holy means being perfect, being flawless, being impeccable, never sinning, never thinking a nasty thought about anybody else. Never lying, never stealing. Uh, what are the Ten Commandments, right? Never um, taking the Lord's name in vain. Never worshiping idols. Never committing adultery. Never uh, dishonoring your parents. All the things that are in the Ten Commandments, right? And we think, golly, how is it that God could declare me holy and that's how he views me and that's the identity he wants me to live from while at the same time... I got some junk up in my life, and I am not perfect. So how do those two coexist? How does my identity, declared by God as a holy person, coexist with the fact that I'm not perfect, right? And this is where people struggle. They think, well, I'm not holy. If I can just change this in my life, then I will be holy. Or if I can just do this better, then I will be holy. But that's works-based faith, right? Where we try and become what God has already declared for us, what God has already done for us. So we need to understand holiness in a different kind of perspective. Um, and, and holiness begins with your identity, uh, understanding that you already are holy. But holiness is basically just reflecting the character and purpose of God. Um, I was reading in some commentaries this uh, week about Deuteronomy and it, it's, well, you don't care. And it, there's a lot of stuff there. But anyway, the thing that struck me was this definition of holiness that to be holy is to be like Christ, right? Um, and so when we talk about holiness in the life of a Christian, we talk about Christ-likeness, to be like Christ. And this is where sometimes we're like, but I can't be like Jesus because Jesus is Jesus um, and I'm not Jesus and I struggle. To reflect the character and the purpose of God is what it means to be holy, to be like Christ. This is what Christ did, right? He was, is God, came to earth, wrapped himself in humanity, right? This is the incarnation wrapped in flesh, incarnate. Um, Jesus came to earth, wrapped up all that is God in human form, and he lived in human form on the face of the earth perfectly. He did everything perfect because we weren't going to do it perfect, so he did it perfect for us. And he hung out with people, and he hung out with sinners, and he hung out with religious leaders, and he did all kinds of things that people were like, you can't do that because that's not how God does things. And he's like, ha, 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 I am God, and I am doing these things. Um, and he, he threw everybody for a loop about what God was really like. And he came to earth and reflected for us, showed us in a tangible way the character of God, which if you read through the Gospels, you begin to understand that the character of God is someone who uh, is very much the character that goes to the places where 
religious people don't go. Okay? The character of Jesus went to the prostitutes. The character of God went to the tax collectors. The character of God went among the lepers and touched them. This is stuff that, like, you didn't do if you were trying to be holy, right? But Jesus came to earth and said, let me reimagine for you what holiness actually is. Holiness is actually the love of God, the character of God, the passion of God going to the people who actually need that really badly and hanging out with them and loving them and seeing the intrinsic value of them because they were created in God's image and declared to be holy. And so the character of God goes there and helps people understand who they are in Christ. And so you reflect the character of God and then you reflect the purpose of God. The purpose of God... At its very base level definition, God is love. So the purpose of God played out in our lives is to love with God's love. So if we are to be holy and live from the identity that God has declared us, then we are to do exactly what Jesus did. We are to be Christ-like in our actions and our words and our motives. This is what it means to be holy. Does it mean we're never going to sin? No. We're going to sin. Then we ask Jesus for forgiveness. Praise the Lord. He died on the cross for our sins, and he has taken care of that problem for us, right? But we keep moving forward in the character and the purpose of God. This is what holiness is. To go where God would go, to love whom God would love, and to continually do that all the days of our life. Does that make sense? Holiness is to do and act like Christ. The 1990s bracelet, right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? So overused, right? But so true, right? If you want to know what the holy action is in the moment, what would have Jesus done in that moment? Would Jesus have gone up to that person and prayed for that person? Then you better be going and doing that because that's holiness played out in the life of the believer. Um, Holiness is to reflect the character and the purpose of God. (laughs) But then you read this chapter, this Deuteronomy chapter uh, 14. Uh, Did anybody read it this week? Yes. Okay. Does anybody feel conflicted about what that means for your life in the New Testament church? Yes. Okay. So the entirety of chapter 14 reads, uh, except for that little section at the beginning, which we read together, the entirety of this chapter reads like, um, eat this, not that, right? Um, and, and, and you read this and you go, um, you know, uh, you shall not eat any abomination. Here are the animals you may eat, the ox, the goat, the sheep, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, the mountain sheep, every animal that parts the hoof and the hoof of the cloven in two and chews the cud among the animals you may eat. Yet of those animals that chew the cud or have the hoof cloven, you shall not eat the camel, the hare, the rock badger, because they chew the cud but do not part the hoof. They are unclean for you. And it goes on like this. And in the New Testament, we're like, what the heck? How are we supposed to follow this? What does this have to do with me being holy? How do I live this out in the day to day? I am going to the grocery store and I am looking at the meat counter And I'm opening Deuteronomy chapter 14. Does this one have a cloven hoof but chew the cud? This does not define. I don't see rock badger in here. I could probably. Is this a gazelle? I don't know. 
You know, because like, how does this relate to us in the New Testament, right? Because it, the, the Bible tells us, and we believe that the Bible is the word of God, and it tells us that everything in here is beneficial for us. I'm glad it tells me I don't have to eat a rock badger, right? Um, I did not know that they chew cud. I am learning things from the word of God. But I wonder, spiritually, what does this mean for me? Because then it goes on. Of all that is in the water, whatever has fins and scales, you may eat. Halibut, right? <laughs> Salmon. Yes, okay, I'm on board. Whatever does not have fins and scales, you shall not eat. I can't have crab. Can't have shrimp. I'm thinking, this is not good. For the seafood diet, I like to keep. So what does this mean for our holiness? Um, in, the, in the Old Testament, these folks were about to enter the promised land, right? They were about to enter a space and a place where there were a bunch of nations that worshipped a bunch of gods that lived in a, a bunch of ways that were not the way God called his people to live. So on the cusp of entering into a land, he said, you are holy, definitively, know this. I have declared you to be mine. I have declared you to be holy. When you enter the land, you have to live differently than the people that are not following me. Otherwise, you're just like them. So I want to give you some guidelines, God says. It's going to make you look weird to everybody else. You're going to live a distinctly different kind of life than the people that are in that land. And they're going to look at you and go, those people are weird people. They don't eat rock badger. We love our rock badger stew. But these people don't eat rock badger. Their God says, don't eat rock badger. And they don't. And they listen to their God. And they love their God. But look at how their God blesses them. So... In this idea of um, eat this, not that, in this idea of entering into the promised land and choosing to be holy and doing what God says according to his character and his purpose, does it really matter what we eat on our plate? Um, Matthew, uh, in, in, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 7, it's in Matthew as well, but um, I like the Mark verbiage. You can flip there if you want. Mark chapter 7. Matthew, Mark, second book in the Bible, seven chapters, in, or second book in the New Testament, seven chapters in. Mark chapter 7, verse 14 through 23. This is Jesus talking about traditions and commandments, right? Which is exactly where they are in Deuteronomy. Verse 14. What defiles a person? He called the people to him again, Jesus said, and he said, hear me all of you and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. I.e., you can now eat rock badgers, right? Praise the Lord, hallelujah. If that's your thing, go for it. I don't even know what a rock badger is. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And then he entered the house and he left the people and his disciples asked him about this parable. This one sentence parable, the people were like, we don't get it. We don't get what you just said in two sentences. And he said to them, are you also without understanding? Don't you see that whatever goes into a person from the outside does not make him 
unclean does not make him unholy, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach. Thus he declared all foods clean, right? And then he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, from the heart of the man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, foolishness, junk drawer term, anything you can think of that is contrary to the will of God goes in there. All of these evil things come from within and they defile a person. So in the New Testament, we can eat whatever the heck we want to, which is great because I love me some bacon and bacon was not on the menu for the Israelites, right? We can now eat the things that you couldn't back then. We are more concerned when it comes to being holy, when it comes to displaying the identity, the character, the purpose of God in life. It is more essential that you pay attention to what comes out of you than what you are physically putting into you. I'm not saying don't be unhealthy. Don't eat McDonald's every day, right? But when you live a life of a Christian, are you more tied up in what is visible to other people, your actions, um, what looks good? Or are you more concerned about the motivations of your heart? Those things that are really subtle that sneak into your language and your mind? Um, those are the things that make us unclean. The things that get in the way of us displaying the character and the purpose of God. Because we can't display the character and the purpose of God when we are displaying the character and the purpose of our flesh. So what comes out of us is either going to be centered in the identity that God has given us, holy and chosen, or centered in the identity of what we have defined ourselves to be, which is distinctly contrary to the word and the will of God. But we have this identity. He has given it to us. It is ours. It is already ours. We are holy, declared by God. The verse continues um, that uh, even though uh, Israel had eat this, not that, um, this idea that in the promised land they had to continually choose to eat this, not that, we have the same economy in our life. We have to choose what we are consuming spiritually because everything we consume spiritually will eventually come back out. Um, imagine you have a water bottle, you know, a little flexible, you know, disposable water bottle kind, and you fill it with sewer water, right? And you squeeze it. What comes out of that water bottle? Gross, right? Yeah, nobody wants to think about that. That's the same with our lives. We can choose to fill our lives with things that are unholy, distinctly opposite to the character and the nature of God. And then when we stub our toe, what's the first thing that comes out of our mouth? Something that's distinctly not according to the character and the purpose of God. Um, or we can fill ourselves from what God says we are. Pure, clean, holy water that comes in from the life source, Jesus. Then when we are squeezed, what comes out? Pure, holy, clean goodness from the life source, Jesus, right? Okay. Um, the last section in this scripture that talks about holiness, and, and it's weird because you might not think this has to do with holiness. You might not think this part has to do with holiness, but it talks about tithing in the Old Testament, right? Not just a New Testament thing, an Old Testament thing. Um, and, and it's an interesting verse because it's, it's, it's in this idea of being holy before God. It's in the context of it. 
Um, which tells us that one of the things that God values according to his character and his purpose is generosity. So if we are going to be a holy people, if we are going to live this identity that God has called us to live, then we are going to have to be generous, like God was generous. Um, so, so here's, here's uh, the verses. Uh, we'll read these aloud. This is Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 29. You guys ready? Okay. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord and rejoice with you and your whole household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. I think that was it. Yep. Did you ever consider that holiness, the character and the purpose of God displayed in your life, looks like celebration joviality and fun or did you always think that holiness looks something like this you know i can't do that that's not holy <laughs> i must not read jokes i can't laugh laugh isn't holy right sometimes i think we get the idea that holiness is serious and boring and hard and people don't like it and it's a burden and we need to break free from that mindset because according to scripture, according to Jesus, holiness involves celebration, joviality, and fun. Taking the tithe, which is set apart and holy unto the Lord, and celebrating, rejoicing together, having fun. That literally, this passage that we read was about tithes. You would take your tithe and you would go to the place in the promised land where God ordained he would be worshipped. But he said, if I have blessed you so much that carrying the physical weight of your crops and animal tithe is too much for you because I'm such an awesome God, then I want you to sell it all, take the money in your hands, go to the place that I want you to worship me with all your friends and all your family and throw a party in my name and celebrate the goodness of my name and enjoy life. Anybody of you think that that's what holiness might look like? That God says, I want you to party. 
And I want you to love people while you party. And I want you to rejoice in my name and have fun and laugh and celebrate. Sometimes I think we lose perspective. Like, sometimes I think we only focus on the boring parts of holiness. But God wants us to have fun in his kingdom. He has called us holy, and then he says, when I bless the socks off you, celebrate it. Have fun. Rejoice in that. Part of holiness is simply celebrating. Um, part of being holy is um, reflecting the character of God among people who don't yet know him. Uh, the character of God is celebration. Jesus went to a lot of parties in his day. If you read the New Testament, he was constantly getting in trouble for going to parties because holy people don't go to parties. Holy people sit and study the scriptures all the time and never laugh and never joke and never have any fun. And that's boring. And that's not how God is. God wrapped in flesh, came to earth, went to parties he wasn't invited to, and invited himself to a party that he decided someone else should throw. Zacchaeus, I think of that one. He sees the little short man in the tree, and he walks up to the little short man, and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house, and we're going to have a party. Imagine you're Zacchaeus. Was your house clean that morning? <laughs> Did you think about that, right? Do you have a laundry pile on your couch, right? Are there dirty dishes in your kitchen, right? All these kinds of things, and the Zacchaeus is like, oh my goodness, Jesus is coming to my house. The Lord is coming to my house to have a party. I need to go home and throw a party for Jesus. And I don't know at that point that Jesus or Zacchaeus cared about the laundry pile. Who cares? Jesus wanted to enter into the reality of Zacchaeus' life wherever it happened to be at that moment and throw a big party and celebrate the goodness of Jesus. He did that over and over and over again. He turned water into wine, right? That was one of the first things he did. He was always at a party, always having fun, constantly getting in trouble because the Pharisees and the Sadducees were like, mm -mm, rabbis don't do this. This is not how rabbis do. I mean, rabbis don't have fun. Rabbis only talk in holy proverbs. And Jesus is like, that's not exactly the character of God. The character of God is someone who likes to build relationships with people, to have fun with people, to rejoice with people, to celebrate with people. It shouldn't say in scripture, rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, if joy isn't part of the character of God and his people. So part of being holy is actually allowing ourselves to have fun in the spirit, to embrace that aspect of the character of God. Now, another aspect that we read of holiness is, ooh, gotta press that button is justice, generosity, and selflessness. This is part of holiness. This is part of your identity. This is God saying, you are my people. You are holy. I'm going to bless the socks off you, right? And then you're going to celebrate and have fun and laugh and, and enjoy. And in the process, you are not to forget the people that do not have. Like we read that. You're going to take your tithe. You're going to put it in the center and everybody else with you. And there's going to be a mountain of corn and a pen of sheep and a bunch of chickens and whatever else is brought, you know, the tithes of whatever. And the people who have need, the Levites, the sojourners, like we don't know the term sojourner in our culture. What we would say in our culture is refugee. Okay? So you take your tithe 
You put it in the center of the church room, and I just want you, I want you to think about this for just a brief moment. They gathered their tithe for a year. And every three years they would do this. They would take the full year's tithe. So whatever it is that you give to the church over the course of a year, think of that number. Okay? And now, take that number and make it a tangible pile of money and put it in the center of the church. Now imagine all of us have done that. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And Jesus says, part of the holy character and nature of God and his people is that we would use that to provide for people. The people who are refugees in our community. The people who are orphans in our community. The people who are widows in our community. The people who are disabled in our community. The people who do not have. And nowhere in that scripture that we read does it say they need to vet themselves first. Nowhere does it say they need to prove their need is legitimate. Nowhere does it say asterisk only if you have your life together. Asterisk only if you attend the church. Refugees didn't attend the church. They were passing through. It said take the tithe, put it down, let it go. It's not yours. It's Jesus's money. And let the people who have need take what they need. This is part of being holy, recognizing that what we have in our hands needs to be open-handed. It belongs to Jesus. And when he says, set it down and let someone who have need take it, we are acting holy when we give away. It's a joyous thing to celebrate. It's a joyous thing to give away because we know that as God's people, we are his. He takes care of our needs. We don't need to worry. In fact, in a lot of ways, especially in the American church, we are more blessed than we realize. We just don't live like that. We shackle ourselves to all kinds of debts and experiences that really hinder our ability to live the holy life God has called us to. <clears throat> what would happen if everyone in this church had no debt? What could we corporately do for the glory of Jesus in Ketchikan? What kind of needs could we meet? What kind of um, ministries could we provide for the homeless, for the hungry, for um, the orphans, the widows, the refugees, right? What could we do if we were not shackled by death? We are God's people, a holy treasured possession. So he takes care of us. We have to choose daily to live in that identity as a joyous, generous, justice-seeking, uh, selfless kind of people. Because when Jesus walked the face of the earth, he came joyously, generously, selfishly seeking justice. If we are holy people, then we get to display the character and the purpose of God. Not just in this room, but specifically outside of this room. Specifically way out there. On the fringe, go to some parties where nobody else is a Christian. Don't do anything sinful, but go to the party, right? Hang out with people who are distinctly not Jesus followers. Love them in the name of Jesus and watch what God will do 
when you are slightly weirder than the average American <laughs> because you choose not to do things that culture embraces. And then people go, what's different about you? Why when life gets hard, do you still seem to have a smile on your face? I got the joy of Jesus, right? I am holy. I'm not perfect, but I'm holy. God is making me like him. I'm choosing to live out of the identity he's given me, not the one the world says I have. The world's called me a whole bunch of things in my day. And if I lived out of that boy alive, I don't know that I'd get out of bed in the morning. But God says I'm holy. God says I'm his. That should motivate us to live according to his will and his purpose and his character. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. The worship team will come up and lead us. There are communion elements here. A few for those who um, might decide today is the day they need that special moment with Jesus. The body and the blood of Jesus broken on our behalf. He died in our place for our sins to make us holy. It has been done. We can't undo it. This is a really good thing on our behalf. This was justice played out for us. If you this morning need that kind of reminder moment with Jesus to share a meal, please come and partake. If you want to stay in your seats and listen to Jesus talk to you, please stay in your seats. If you want to come and kneel and pray, you can do that. If you want to fall face down in the aisle, go ahead. If you want to stand with your arms up in the air and praise Jesus, do it. There are a multitude of ways to respond this morning. Just don't not respond, okay? Because God is here. He is real. He does love you. You are his. You are holy. He is making you more and more Christ-like day by day as we submit to his word. So let's live like holy people because we are holy people. Father, you've declared that we would be holy. And the minute you declared it, it became true. You are a God who is reliable and trustworthy and everything you've ever said or promised to do, you have completed. So that work which you began when you declared me holy, would you bring to completion? Would you help me live according to your character and your purpose? Your character being full of love and grace and mercy and generosity and justice and humor and adventure, going places no one else is willing to go so that people might know who you are and who they are in you. We're ready to worship you this morning through singing, through prayer, through submission. If you do one thing here today, Father, would you confirm in every heart in this room and in the children's church below us that we are yours and that you love us? That's the most important thing. Let us know, remind us that we are yours and you love us. You're in our corner. We give you honor and glory and we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.